0: This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manek.
1: It is hour four of the program here. The Sport Market coming to you from our new home, Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. And on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network, Tom Manek saying... Thanks so much for coming along for the ride. We've got a lot of ground to cover here as we go through our relaunch of the sport market after a bit of an extended summer hiatus. Very happy to be with you. And of course, uh, uh, especially happy to have uh, Tino Farah along for the ride. Tino, uh, this is sort of for you, the sport market uh, 2.0. Certainly it'll take us a a few weeks to get our shaving cream together and be pressing all the right buttons, but uh, so great to have you back. Thanks so much uh, for uh, coming along for the ride as a producer of the sport market.
0: Market. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be back. Uh, I can't thank you enough for bringing me along for the ride and I just hope that we can bring a little more lacrosse talk to the airwaves a little bit. Let's bring some uh, some love to the Warriors and the NLL, shall we?
1: Well, that will will make that happen. That's a small price to pay for sure and we'll look at, <laughs> uh, we'll look to you for reminding us of all the big not only lacrosse stories but lacrosse sport business stories. Of course, uh, when that season begins, there'll be a lot of um, uh, I think excitement in terms of the uh the the coaching direction of the franchise and that's uh, no criticism of anybody who's come before him, but Kurt Malofsky, a proven winner uh, in Calgary. Uh, I'll tell you, you and I talked about this. We'll, we'll, we'll just do a little bit of a lacrosse business here, but the concept of a unified schedule, I think there's some interesting elements about that from a business development point of view, from a you know promotion of all the markets point of view. But to me... You, you got to find a way to have that plus full optimization of the Vancouver-Calgary rivalry because it is real in lacrosse. I mean, it's very strong in hockey between the Flames and the uh, Canucks. You see that whenever the Flames are in town here. Uh, But certainly from a lacrosse point of view, there is a lot of um, uh, bragging rights that are fought for. And of course, in recent years, Calgary has had all the spoils.
0: Oh, it's been dominated by the Roughnecks for... uh, forever it seems like at least in the last decade um and i mean you mentioned it there it's pretty cool what they're doing with the new schedule and the new um the new setup for the league standings rather than having an east conference and a west conference now there's just going to be 15 teams in in one big division um which is really cool for fan bases all around because now you're no longer going to have to you know wait three, four, five years to see a guy like Dane Smith in, in Buffalo or Josh Byrne or, or any of the, these other stars that play in other markets that don't necessarily come to Vancouver all that often, you're going to get a chance to see them at the very least every other year, but ideally every year now with every team being able to play everybody else at least once.
1: He is Tino Farah. I'm Tom Mayanek. And as we said, we're both very happy to have you along for the ride here on the sport market a show that's been 15 years in the making, but now has a new home here at Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. Coming up later this hour, we're going to go around the horn with Steve Ewan of the province and the Vancouver sun, uh, a little bit of Canucks, a little bit of um, uh, Vancouver Canadians, a little bit of Vancouver whitecaps, BC lions and Vancouver uh, giants. Uh, that's all coming your way at the bottom of the hour. And we'll also, uh, Uh, Here's something that we played earlier this weekend in the sport market. Uh, A couple of minutes of Sid Cicero of City TV in Toronto talking about the embarrassing loss in two straight games by the Toronto Blue Jays. And make no mistake, that's not meant to be an insult to the Minnesota Twins. Twins are a team that's a lot better than, um, you know, let's say their context would lead people to believe. uh, And their context is, you know, having the... um, uh, uh, lowest record of any of the uh, qualifiers for the playoffs in terms of win loss uh, and also uh, being in the weakest division in the American league. Uh, This was a year in which boy, take your poison Uh, American league West American league East. They're both really tough. There's just not a a lot more jam to, uh, to spread around in the, in the AL, but this is a Toronto Blue Jays team that, that, should have been more competitive than one run in 18 innings. And certainly the Twins and their fans are taken out of a 22-year drought, 18 consecutive postseason losses before they met the Jays, and now they've got two in the books and are on their way into the next round. Uh, We'll hear from Sid Cicero uh, of CDTV on that next. But we'll begin the hour with... Uh, Aziz Rajwani of the UBC Sauder School of Business, Langara College School of Management, with a look at the headlines in Sun Sports. This is Weekend Extra with Sun Sports on the Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. A lot of pressure on one Connor, a lot of expectations on another Connor. Of course, we're talking Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers and Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks. But as Patrick Johnson points out on the section page of uh, the hard copy of the newspaper of the Vancouver Sun and online at VancouverSun.com, uh, that um, there's an opportunity for Connor Garland, uh, uh, another Connor, uh, to show his stuff. And um, a great piece by Patrick Johnson on uh, Garland really having a, 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 a last addition, a last
2: opportunity
1: to potentially stay on that top line.
2: Yeah, as, as Patrick Johnson points out, I mean, it's, it's on the top line. It's either going to be, uh, you know, uh, I call him Hopelander because when he originally started, I thought that it was going to be a lot of hopes. So Hopelander or Garland, and I personally think Garland might be a better choice because with Peterson and Kuzmenko you've got sort of younger players he's he's got a lot of experience and and he's he's a burn a lot of other people's saddle and I'm talking about burr here reference Alex Burrows he's that grinder and you know he gets people agitated and things of that sort and I think that'll be good energy for both Peterson and for uh, and for Kuzmenko for him to play on that line so it'll be interesting to see what the decision is on opening night
1: Now, earlier this weekend on the sport market, uh, you uh, suggested that the Vancouver Canucks have an opportunity to make the playoffs,
2: but you have a lot of ifs on that. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, once again, I know that Tino said that you know he's not going to have a sophomore slump, but is Manko going to play as well as he did last year? Thirty-nine goals, thirty-five assists. I mean, almost hit forty. So, you know, is that still going to happen? To me, Demko is, is, has been great. And to me, always, you know, will be beloved by the Vancouver fans. But is he going to play as well as he has in the past or not? You know, when you look at point-per-game people, JT Miller and uh, EP are both point-per-game people. Can they maintain that status? So all of those kinds of things are there. But I think what, as I've said before, what I think... With the Canucks this year, it's just a new culture. And it's got to be that, you know, for lack of a better term, I got to call it a game seven culture. Play every game like it's game seven. And now, if you don't play according to the culture that your coach has set for you or terms that he has set for you, there will be consequences. In the past, there were no consequences. People are going to get benched, et cetera, et cetera. All those things, I think, bode well for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Uh, we're going to come back to some
1: of the business uh, previews, the business side developments of the Vancouver Canucks going into this 2023-2024 season. And I'm talking about, uh, obviously, the brand new video board, which you, if you haven't seen it yet, is absolutely spectacular. You and I had the opportunity to see it in a tennis setting the at Cup. the Laver Cup. Uh, but that is a very admirable investment by uh, the Aquilinis and by Canucks Sports and Entertainment. And uh, want to get to that. Uh, you know, in in about fifteen minutes' time here, uh, talking about what that shows about the future of Rogers Arena. Of course, they're also constructing the VIP uh, section, the black seat section between the two uh, benches. That'll be sort of ice level, um, and. Uh, very exclusive. Uh, the only thing that I'm hesitant of is it's such an exclusive group, 60. How relevant does it become to the overall fan experience? Uh, maybe you spread that those upgrades around a little bit and, and be able to impact even more. But certainly there are people willing to pay it. Canuck Sports and Entertainment have heard that, and that's what you're going to see, um, you know, emerging in the in the coming months. Uh, but before we go there, just one last thing on the Vancouver Canucks, the captaincy. From a business point of view, it's an important designation. It's the way fans relate to the team, largely through the captain. Uh, your take on uh, uh, Quinn Hughes as the newest captain of the Vancouver Canucks.
2: Well, as I've said before, the choice was either EP or Quinn Hughes. And I think Quinn Hughes just has and a- you And you saw it. That narrow between those two, you didn't see JT
1: Miller being a a, a legitimate uh, candidate for the captaincy?
2: No, I didn't see it. I think he's a great player. And I think a lot of the criticism that is faced, uh, in my opinion, is un- unwarranted. In fact, he he's the only player who is more than a point per game player. I think EP has 323 points in 325 games. And uh, J.T. Miller, I think, has 299 points in 283 games, so they're pretty similar. But but yeah, to me, it's it's you got to go young, you got to go to someone who's going to be around over the long term. Now, EP hasn't been signed for the long term yet; he's there for the short term, where Ken Hughes is. And I just think in dealing with the media, and I know, and I hope I don't, I'm not misunderstood when I said this because I've said this previously, because it's not his first language. Sometimes EP may not really enjoy talking to the media and we parse their words so carefully here in Canadian media markets. And that's why I said that I can think Quinn Hughes is the best choice. And even since after his appointment, with everything that I've seen, the way he's reacted, I think it's great that he is that, that choice. And obviously the three of them are on the leadership. You know, if you're gonna do a podium of leadership, those are the three people that are on there, EP, Quinn Hughes, EP and JT.
1: Uh, more on the Canucks business side of things uh, a little bit later this hour here and at the bottom of the hour with Steve Ewan of The Province and theprovince.com of course uh, uh, checking out the headlines right now in the Vancouver Sun and online at vancouversun.com very quickly we got a couple of minutes Aziz to uh, cover a lot of uh, uh, very readable stories including the difficult stories that were in 2023 and you You've still got homophobic insults. You've got racial issues, uh, but uh, certainly uh, the sanctions um, uh, against Paris Saint-Germain uh, uh, and and the suspension of four uh, players—that's uh, troubling. That it has to be policed and governed and 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 judged that way in 2023 that we're still seeing that kind of backwards thinking behavior.
2: Yeah, sadly. And it's, pre- and it's prevalent in sports, particularly in Europe, not only the homophobia, but also the racism and the misogynistic things. We, you know, Toronto FC, what was it? How many years ago is it now? Maybe four or five years ago with the, with the pandemic, I've lost track of time, but you know, someone was out, uh, out, out after a game and making, you know, using an acronym that was a misogynistic acronym. You know, I'm not going to repeat it here, obviously, but that kind of mentality that it's all boys. Let's talk business. The way you grow a market is to get people in the tent who have been outside that tent. If you want to gain market share, you bring others in. So you look at, for example, you look at beer products even. What have they done? They've mixed it with strawberry and this to try and get the women to drink more beer, etc You look at even cosmetics. You try and get men to, to make up because women have been doing it all the time, etc So you try and build a more inclusive tent to get more people in there from a the business side and get everyone in there. Don't Don't make it so that women don't want to go because they feel like they're going to be screamed at or or uttered misogynistic comments at, things of that sort. Make it inclusive, make it really like society, and that's the way you grow the business. Uh, Some of the other
1: headlines this morning in Sun Sports, Mike Ganter uh, on Raptors new head coach, Darko Rajakovic, you know, bringing a, uh, how can I say, a very different feel to the uh, coaching staff of the franchise. Uh, You've got uh, Noah Trister on the Baltimore Orioles, very charmed season. Uh, I think they're going to be in tough against the Texas Rangers. Um, uh, There's some real experience on the Rangers side of things especially in manager Bruce Bochy. Um, J.J. Adams, of course, uh, 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 dissecting the uh, Raptors training camp. Of course, they've got a preseason game coming up at Rogers Arena. Uh, there's uh, certainly um, uh, uh, Premier League uh, uh, soccer uh, uh, coverage and then you know a very gratifying quote by Connor McDavid. He's a leader within the Oilers locker room. He's a leader within the National Hockey League. But for him to talk about the uh, pro- uh, um, professional women's hockey league, the PWHL, the way he does, and it being a, a an amazing thing for hockey, says a lot about about Connor McDavid. A, he's right, and B, uh, it, it certainly is again part of this massive transformation, and it's again game-changing shift in the landscape when it comes to professional sport. You've not only got now the consolidation of hockey. It always was going to struggle if it was competing two different leagues, the fragmentation with that. You've got the WNBA expanding. You've got um, uh, uh, major valuation lists now being compiled for the first time by the National uh, Women's uh, Soccer League. There's a lot of good stuff happening in women's sport.
2: Obviously, and with the WNBA, you know, not coming to Toronto, I just wanted to make a point that the major league MLSC is not owned by Edward Rogers. He has thirty-seven and a half percent, Bell has thirty-seven and a half percent, Larry Tannenbaum was who's wanting to sell, has has the other twenty-five percent. And that's where the problem is, is Larry Tannenbaum wanting to sell. Both Bell and Rogers have looked at the terms of that agreement that they don't like. So why it's not coming to the WNBA is not just Ed Rogers because he only has thirty seven and a half percent of the votes. And can be outvoted by Bell and Tannenbaum together, uh, but there's some conflict right now between the two owners and Tannenbaum with his possible sale to a to a to a pension to a pension plan. So it remains to be seen. But to me, it's a missed opportunity.
1: We're going to talk more business side. Uh, of the Vancouver Canucks in just a moment. But, of course, a big shout-out and thank you to Aziz Rajwani uh, for Weekend Extra Sun Sports. Uh, If you haven't picked up a copy of the paper uh, yet today, a lot of good stuff from Canucks uh, uh, to Whitecaps and Lions and, of course, uh, also VancouverSun.com. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. We're going to go around the horn with him, but we're going to talk a little bit more about about the Canucks video board, a little bit more about the VIP section that's being constructed between the benches in the lower bowl, and what that means for the long-term future of Rogers Arena. That's next, right here, as we continue to rate and debate the Bulls and Bears of Sport business on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver and the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network, including Radio NL 610 AM Kamloops, CFAX 1070 in Victoria, and AM 1150
3: in Kelowna. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's
0: your host, Tom Mayonecht.
1: Of course, last year there was the interesting thought or a campaign around the possibility of a new 50, 60,000-seat stadium in Surrey. And there was even the connection that that could be a new home of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, I'm surprised that that story even lasted as long as it did in the news cycle because there's no way... First and foremost, you've got the Vancouver Canucks moving from their current digs into a 50,000-seat stadium for National Hockey League competition. That's not what you do. And the Tampa Bay Lightning played for a short period of time of course, in a big format uh, uh, arena. Uh, The San Antonio Spurs of the NBA did the same thing. But you don't play NBA basketball and NHL hockey in a stadium of 50,000, 60,000. So just right from the outset, that was an absurd notion from a business point of view. Uh, You know, all the power to Surrey, if it uh, wants to in its uh, new administration, uh, you know, consider... What a, you know, uh, football stadium. What a large format stadium would look like there. But to me, there is a lot to build on for both BC Pavilion Corp owners and operators of BC Place and the Aquilini Investment Group and Canucks Sports and Entertainment, owners and operators of both the Vancouver Canucks and Rogers Arena. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. And all you need to do is pay attention to some of the developments from an arena enhancement point of view. Those are investments for the future. Those are investments designed to maximize the lifespan of the arena. And listen... It's, it's an ongoing process. There was, you know, a lot of third-party money brought into the enhancement of what was Canada Hockey House Um, For Canada Hockey Place for uh, the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games. Uh, There was definitely upgrades and enhancements to Rogers Arena then. Now we've seen over the last few years a lot of work in the concourses, uh, a lot of um, enhancement and new construction in terms of um, uh, lounges and um, uh, large uh, premium suite areas. And then of course now you've got the movement of the, uh, the VIP section, the so-called black uh, seat section uh, that will uh, feature a lounge retreat uh, in between the two benches at uh, ICE level. That's a very exclusive 60-member club, but it's another example of what you can expect to see more of, and that is enhancement and renewal by incremental steps. This is not going to be a team that moves from Rogers Arena anytime soon. Why? Because it makes no business sense for Aquilini Investment Group to, with all of the real estate holdings and the towers all around Rogers Arena, to devalue the value of that real estate by taking All those game nights and concert nights out of that area. Uh, There is a lot of prestige that's been marketed into some of those towers as being right adjacent to Rogers Arena. So again the VIP section, the expanded lounges that have been constructed in recent years, work in the concourse, and now, of course, the video board that Canucks fans attending games beginning next week in this regular season will see more and more of, that's all making a long-term play as modern as possible. And listen, uh, Rogers Arena is... Is, is aging very, very well because of these steps. And as long as they continue to do that, there's another decade, there's another two decades, there's possibly more. The only time they ever consider moving from their current situation is if there's a real estate investment that makes even more sense on the upside that they can sort of compare and contrast with the downside of leaving what they've already invested in and built over these last 20 years. Uh, Aziz Rajwani, of course, joins us from the UBC Sada School of Business, Langara College School of Management. Uh, Just a few quick thoughts, Aziz. Um, uh, this, the, the Canucks aren't moving to Surrey. The Canucks aren't moving to any new venue anytime soon. They're building future investment to maximize the lifespan of Rogers Arena to the best of their ability.
2: I absolutely agree. And I was a season ticket holder. I haven't been for the last number of years, but you know, they expanded the lounge, the food and beverage areas. They expanded this, the balcony to the maximum extent that they could, not the balcony, but the edges of the arena to create more space connected it to the real estate building that they built uh, next door, et cetera, all those kinds of things that they've been doing, the video board investment, as you pointed out. But here's the thing, the corporate crowd, right? A lot of times we argue about why might not an NBA team work in Vancouver, because you don't have a lot of corporate head offices the way you do in Toronto and Montreal. Well, the corporate head offices are right next there. Look at TELUS, look at TD Bank, Scotiabank, et cetera. They're within walking distance of Rogers Arena. Rogers Arena. Eventually, they'll you know the, when the viaducts come down, there'll be lots of real estate opportunity. And maybe that's when they also build a practice facility. There's it's in the works, and you know one of the options was declined uh, by the Aquilini Investment Group. Uh, I think to have it near the, where the where the old, for people remember from Expo, uh, the 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 BC Pavilion where the BC Pavilion used to be. But that's in the works to build a practice facility that'll be more community oriented as well, where the city would be amenable to 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 certain. Um, uh, you know, amenities that they grant because it's available to the community as well, not just as a practice facility, literally, for the Canucks to play out. All those kinds of investments are in the future. And as I said, lots of potential real estate development when those viaducts in the long term come down. You've got, you know, Vancouver's population is growing. you got the any lots of development will go up along the Broadway, subway line, et cetera. All of those people are just within... In fact, those people are within walking distance, half an hour walking distance, to Rogers Arena. You've got so much density around Rogers Arena that makes it a Last minute decision, hey, let's go to a Canucks game, you know, et cetera. And these kinds of things are all bode well, I think, for having Rogers Arena where it is. But you've got to maintain that asset, which they are doing. Sometimes we wish they'd maintain their player assets a little bit better, but they are definitely maintaining their corporate assets, the physical assets better.
1: Thank you so much. He is Aziz Rajwani of the UBC Sauter School of Business, Langara College School of Management. I'm Tom Mayneck along with Tina Farah and uh, Elon Chark. Uh, Very happy to have you along for the ride. That ride next features Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. We go around the horn with some storylines around the Canucks, the Lions, the Whitecaps, who give credit where credit's due. Are on their way to the MLS playoffs. And of course, some reflection on the highest uh, point in the Blue Jays season, and that is in their farm system the Vancouver Canadians of high A League baseball winning. Yet again, Uh, it's uh, not a three-peat yet or a four-peat, but it's a step in the right direction coming out of the uh, pandemic for the Vancouver Canadians and also some Vancouver Warriors and Vancouver Giants. That's all next right here on the Sport Market, on the new home of the Sport Market, Sportsnet 650 Vancouver and Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network.
3: The Sport Market,
0: rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business.
1: One of the highlights of the show in our new home will be going round the horn with Steve Ewan each and every week. And of course, our new home is Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. The Sport Market is now part of the Sportsnet radio network and of course, we welcome all those who are part of the Sport Market Radio Network to be along for the ride. We're talking Steve Ewan of the Province and TheProvince.com. Got an opportunity to talk a little Canucks, Lions, Whitecaps, Giants, Warriors, and Vancouver Canadians. And we'll start with the team that is ushering in a new campaign, a new year next year. It's the beginning of the uh, National Hockey League regular season, and it is, of course, uh, uh, another season of, of uh, transition for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Steve, what would you consider... To be success for the Vancouver Canucks, based on what you think the team has going into this regular season.
3: First off, congratulations.
1: Thank you, thank and you. Le-
3: lucky to have you guys. Love me some Tino. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to get overboard, you know, kind of overblown here or anything. I, I, I'd like to see them playing meaning, you know, meaningful games in March. I'd like to see them to to be in the hunt for a playoff spot. And I think anything after that I think is gravy.
1: Where are you at? well well you know what I, I i'm still of the view that they're very much on the cusp and if they are on the cusp then they would need to uh, or or you would expect them to have meaningful games in march uh they might not make the playoffs and i don't think they will i still don't yeah. think they've got the balance from 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 the defense out that they need to uh to be that way especially given the competition that they're going to get from the Edmonton Oilers of the world and the Vegas Golden Knights of the world. So I I do think that they're still on the outside looking in when it matters most, but I think um, I hear what you're saying. If there are people who are seeing value in their season tickets and in um, uh, tickets at the box office in March, uh, that would be uh, ahead of where they've been uh, these past couple of years anyway.
3: I I, I think that's the key. I I, I think they have to take a step. I think anyone who expects them to take a massive step I, I don't think that's correct. I still don't like the way they get up the ice. I still think they, they're a defenseman or too short of being in that contender in the automatic in the playoffs group. Christian
1: Earhart, where are you? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Paul Reinhardt, come back. Yeah,
1: there you go. There you go.
3: Um, yeah, I, I just. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I think this has become a league of. of puck moving and, and avoiding the four check And, and I, I don't know if they do that well enough to, to be an automatic for the playoffs.
1: We'll get to the uh, Lions and the Whitecaps in just a moment. But the Vancouver Giants, let me ask you the same question, of course, uh, back at the Langley Event Centre. Uh, they've been pretty comfortable in that hub uh, for a number of years now. Uh, where do they go from here? What do you expect from them this season?
3: They've got a fascinating team. They've got a a lot of young talent. Uh, they've got some very high end sixteen year old kids, particularly a kid, uh, uh, a winger named Cameron Schmidt, who's who's very dynamic and very quick and, and looks looks to be a goal scorer. I, I think they they definitely have to take a step. I think they need to to win around probably. I, I think they they need to win some fans back. I think um, they're. I think things are trending in a very positive way. I think the question is, do you do you spend some of the trade capital that they have to get this group a little bit farther with hopes of them learning for the future, or do you hold on to that capital and spend it a year from now when this 16-year-old group led by Schmidt is, is that much better? I think that's going to be the real challenge for them. They've also got a pretty key injury. Samuel, Samuel Honzik, the first-rounder, who was a calgary pick got hurt in calgary and they're not sure how long he's out for they've, they've actually gone and gotten another import so that tells you that it's that it's not that's not days that it's probably weeks so uh, uh, those are two things that they're gonna have to work out
1: We're going around the horn with Steve Ewan of The Province and TheProvince.com here on the Sport Market, on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver and the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, The BC Lions uh, looking pretty impressive last week. Uh, This is an ultimate acid test as far as regular season uh, games uh, go, uh, uh, this uh, showdown uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers
3: it was i i think they did I, I think they did a lot of you know a lot of good things i think uh you can question dominic grimes whether he should have taken a knee and pulled up and tried for, for the field goal he's their best guy i if the game is in his hands i think that's a pretty good spot for it to be i think that's you couldn't ask for more and the fact that it maybe didn't turn out that you know they ended up not getting the points at the end and, and, and losing it overtime. i, I I I think that I think there's some logic I think that makes sense to me that that doesn't bother me I think to to ask him to pull up and try for the field. I think there was too many variables there that, that could have gone wrong. I'd like to see him try and get himself into the end zone. So,
1: Well, it certainly was back and forth when you when you look at the fact that Leos had that 10 nothing first quarter lead. They maintained it going into halftime. Uh, and then, of course, Winnipeg uh, coming back strong with 10 points in the fourth quarter uh, to, to force the OT. Uh, Lions now find themselves at 11-5, and five, Bombers at 12-4. and four. Uh, Certainly... Uh, that seeding is going to be very important moving forward with the Lions looking at their next game in Hamilton uh, Friday, October 13th.
3: It gets down to, to assuming that everybody gets through, and it is uh, Winnipeg-DC's Western Final. You'd much rather have that game indoors. And, and if it's not going to be indoors, I think D C really needs to, to, to get its running game. Uh, it needs to upgrade its winning game. I think that's one of my, one of the things where they're they're struggling. And, and you play outdoors, you play likely in bad, you know, you know, kind of rainy, snowy, messy, messy conditions. You're going to have to, be, you know, be able to run the ball.
1: We've uh, checkmarked the Canucks, uh, the Vancouver Giants, the BC Lions. Let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, there's often been uh, an air of criticism you know, around our chats on, on, on the Vancouver Whitecaps with a lot of missed opportunities, a questionable yeah. decision-making off the field. But here they are uh, in the playoffs, and they're certainly getting some star-type playmaking. Um, and, and you'd expect that uh, some of the Whitecaps fans that may have stayed away in recent years, uh, might be uh, you know coming back to the mix, and and hopefully there can be a bit of a playoff run here.
3: I think it's crucial for them to to keep moving the story forward. To to if they can't win a round, at least be competitive for a round, and at least make uh, be trending in the right direction because they were they've been so up and down for the last two or three years that. <laughs> It's been hard to get a read, but I, I think you've got some guys there, you know, gold and white. I think you've got guys that people can rally around, and, and, and they need to just need to keep moving and need to keep keep progressing. And I, I don't think anyone's thinking they're, they're going to win a championship this year, but I think uh, any sort of playoff activity in this town is is huge for creating business. Creating
1: we're talking to Steve Ewan for another couple of minutes here on the what Sport Market. What about the Blue Jays, Tom? Well, let, let me get there, because on the one hand, uh, it's great from a Vancouver perspective that the highlight or one of the highlights of this uh, Toronto Blue Jays season is the play of their championship-winning high-A league team, the Vancouver Canadians. On the other hand, when that is your absolute highlight, you know something's just not right with the parent club. Uh, what's your take? First of all with one run in 18 innings against the Minnesota Twins. And secondly, where do the Jays go from here if it's true there's just something off about the way this franchise is either governed, uh, managed uh, or general managed, uh, the way it's structured? Uh, uh what 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 are your thoughts after this uh, wild card series to forget?
3: I'm I John Schneider is one of the one of the best people I've met in this business. He's just a really good guy, the guy that, Still returns your calls, and I mean that's not common when when those guys move on to bigger and you know, better things. I think that says something about him as a guy. That said, I thought they were messy and sloppy all year. They didn't, you didn't feel like this was a team that had a playoff run in it, or, or felt like a championship team, or a real cohesive group that was playing really sound fundamental baseball. And I, I, I look at Vladdy getting picked off second base and and putting, you know, kind of kiboshing a rally I, that's, not a, that's not a surprise and it, that's kind of a statement right that that was kind of what we've come to expect from this team of, of you know being sloppy uh, some of that's got to fall to John the other side of it Ross Heckins, I, I think blew up the messaging today and, and really talking about at one point that Matt Chapman wasn't coming back and about the how they were interested in Matt Chapman that Talking, you know, kind of blaming Schneider for everything, and then saying Schneider's coming back. I thought that's as disjointed uh, a, a postseason press conference as I think I've ever seen. So I, I don't, I, I don't feel better about where where they're going. I don't feel like they really know what's up. So I, I, I think they, they really, I, think, I I'll, I'll be interested to, you know, interested to see whether they're their season ticket base starts to dwindle a little bit. People think that it's time to spend their money elsewhere.
1: It it, it is interesting. To me, uh, the timing of a two-game sweep for the second year in a row and the third year in four, there's never a good time for that. But given their $330 million renovation project, that is about to go into phase two, uh, they really could have benefited from a little bit more excitement and and a much longer run. Uh, To be two and done uh, for the second year in a row, that's not what this renovation project and the marketing of the Jays long-term needed. Lastly...
3: I mean, Minnesota's a good team, but I don't think anyone thought, well, there's no way Toronto's beating Minnesota. Like, they, they're not the 27 Yankees.
1: No, I, I com- com- completely completely agree with you. and And, you know... <sighs> To me, I'll just put it up. They from, just
3: kind of no-showed.
1: Well, well, they no-showed, and that is a cultural thing. And and, and uh, some of that's got to fall to John, it, as it, much as I like John as a guy. It's, it's got to fall on John Schneider, but it also falls on Ross Ross Atkins. Um, there's both the acquisition of your roster, and then there's the deployment yeah. of it, right? And and whether it's 50-50 or whatever, the reality is both aren't working. And And, and I think from a cultural point of view, if I'm... If I'm John Schneider or if I'm uh, Ross Atkins, I'm really seriously revisiting the need for that kind of a celebration after losing their last two games at home, four of their last six, and six of their last ten. To me, that showed a culture of, like, we're okay just getting into the playoffs. We're okay just backing into them. Uh, I thought it was ridiculous. I don't know uh, how, how you saw it.
3: I, I just, yeah. I, it, I, just, I kind of felt the whole year was like that. Like, it just it just felt like they just never... I, and and I think they really tried, you know, with the acquisitions they made over over the winter, the Kiermars and the Varshows you know, shows and, and those guys. I think they felt like they were going to tighten up their defense and become more of a more of a team that you know, like a playoff type team. And and all along they were just sloppy and and it just it didn't it was it was a strange year and, and just ended 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 badly. I, I I don't know. I I would love to see a post game presser year end of, of a team that gets knocked out, where somebody just stands up and goes, "You know what? We weren't good enough, and we're going to fix it." Instead of just Ross Atkins running around and trying to make sure that it wasn't his fault. Yeah, and I, I think maybe that's what bothers me most of all.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very very well said. It'll be an interesting off season, to say the least. It's not what uh, uh, what what what. Do you break up the core? Well, I think everything has to be on the table. To me, I'm not so sure that you can come in with exactly the same status quo. Listen, I know there's a lot of free agents; there'll be changes, but I think there need to be other changes uh, at at the management level. Uh, well, I,
3: yeah, yeah, I think you can change around on the outside, but I think it's and and that doesn't matter. I think it's whether you, you change in that in that core manage, in, in that core decision maker group and in that core player group that five or six top players.
1: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And, I, and no
3: I, I think if I'm buying season tickets, I want to see that. No, I,
1: and, and, and and I would agree with that. That's the crux of the business matter here for the Jays moving forward. Very quickly, uh, because we've got uh, both Tino Farah and Elon Shark uh, here in the control room. I don't want the lights to go off if we don't talk a National Lacrosse League and the Vancouver Warriors. But very quickly, yes. how important is <coughs> Kurt Malofsky as head coach to the uh, Warriors, From not from a lacrosse operations point of yeah. view, but from a... Business ops point of view, from a selling the team point of view,
3: Kurt's a guy that's won before. Kurt's a guy whose name is is well known in mainstream sports circles. I think it's one of the few lacrosse names that that regular, average sports fans can you know and understand. Kurt gets winning. Kurt is he? Kurt cares about BC lacrosse. I, I think to I I like Troy accordingly. I thought Troy accordingly is one of the. Top five or six guys to you know that you could give give the head coach GM job to. I think Kurt, I think Kurt and Pat Coyle, who's who's another local based guy. That's that's a kind of running the show in Colorado. I think those were the two guys. And to go get Kurt and to see the players kind of go. Okay, now they're getting you know now things are coming around. And and I I think I, people need to be careful. I think just because Kurt Melanowski's here doesn't mean they're winning a championship this year. I I'd like to see them get to eight wins, be kind of a you know eight and ten or nine and nine and be in that kind of around the playoffs. I think that would be a, a good year for them. I think anything more than that is is, is you know is a plus. But I, I do believe that that if you could get a championship type team here, I, I think you could be pulling in ten or twelve thousand a game, and I, I think that's huge. I think that's good for the organization. I think it's good for the Canucks. In terms of getting new fans into their building, I I, I think there's a lot to like about it. If, if uh, you know, I'm from the Canucks side, and, and Kurt's mm. Kurt's the guy to do it. I, I I think that's that's the important thing. I think Kurt's the guy to, to, to take this business forward.
1: Uh, you know, if Kurt was uh, in studio uh, with us right now, or part of this call, he would not accept eight and ten or nine and nine. That's Kurt Malovski. I mean, I've yeah. never met a fiercer competitor. Maybe as fierce, but nobody fiercer than Kurt Malovski. And I think that is the cultural shift that the Vancouver Warriors make with him as head coach. Somebody,
3: I, I, somebody, I can't. I'm, this isn't my line. This is somebody else's line. I can't remember who said it to me. But they say that 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 he that he watches game tape in his dreams.
1: <laughs> that's 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 so well said. Let's continue yeah, to monitor like the to credit for it, but it's not mine, well. There we go. Not. We'll 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 uh, we'll use it many times over, uh, and uh, eventually you'll give credit where credit is due. <laughs> eventually, eventually,
3: I will figure out who said it, but it, it was someone much smarter than I.
1: Hey, have a terrific rest of the weekend. Yeah, so thank much, you, eh? thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations. Hey, uh, all the best. Right back at you. He is Steve Ewan of the Province and theprovince.com dot closing bell thoughts on the sport market next
0: you're listening to the sport market once again here's your host Tom Mannett
1: one again give a big shout out to Canberra program manager at Sportsnet 650 Vancouver Chad Day and the entire team Rogers Media in Vancouver for giving us a home. The sport market is back after a summer hiatus, and we're certainly happy to be in a position where we're welcoming new listeners from Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. And of course, welcoming back those of you who've helped make the sport market a success over 15 years and counting. We so appreciate your support. And we're looking forward to having a lot of fun rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of sport business uh, in these weeks, months and years to come. A lot of ground to cover over these next few weeks because it is October. We've got a special edition of the Sport Market coming your way next weekend featuring Tim Ryan, the legendary Canadian broadcaster who's with CBS, NBC, uh, one of the top highest you know, profile um, broadcasters in the U S television system for a number of years. He happens to be Canadian born, of course, now living in Victoria. We'll also hear from Greg Bishop of sports illustrated and a lot more. Uh, For those of you listening on sportsnet 650 Vancouver pastime radio, the collectible show and everything collectibles, trading cards, uh, tabletop games, apparel and signed memorabilia with Ken Richardson. That's next right here on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. Big shout out and thanks to Tino Farah in the producer's chair and to Elon Shark for uh, helping us make the transition. Uh, More Bulls and Bears next week.